Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk. Here's your host, Jason Davis. Uh, good morning, everybody. Happy Tuesday. Welcome into Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Yep, we are live. We did uh, fix our technical issues from Monday, and we are back on the air, and I appreciate your patience, basically. That's where we are on a Tuesday morning. Big show for you today. Luke Moore from the Football Ramble will join us in just a bit to go over some of the happenings in England. Certainly yesterday's game, which I'm going to get to here momentarily, um, is top of mind for English football fans and fans of English football, and we will do all of that. It's also a momentous day anniversary-wise in the world of European football. Perhaps we'll talk to, to Luke about the effect of the event that happened 20 years ago. I'll hit all of that in the news. Here's the schedule. Luke's going to, uh, Luke's going to arrive on this program at 9.40 a.m. Eastern Time, which means that when we get done with the news this morning, we'll open up the phone lines. We'll give you a chance for about a half an hour to jump on board, talk about whatever is on your mind on a Tuesday. Again, there's uh, there's that momentous anniversary. There's a couple of things happening in the world of FIFA governance, which is, you know, whatever. But there's, uh, there's that. There's the Club World Cup. Are we excited about the Club World Cup and the... Super fantastic tournament. Okay. Let's hit the news. Here we go. Leicester beating Chelsea 2-1 yesterday to go back top of the Premier League table. Riyad Marez, excuse me, doing the uh, honors with a stunning winning goal. Jose Mourinho, after the match, talking very candidly, admitting that the fourth place, any chance at a, a top four finish is gone for the Blues, talking about his hard work being, uh, being uh, betrayed by the players at Chelsea. It does not feel good. At Chelsea, at the moment, you have to wonder how much will Roman Abramovich has to let go of Jose Mourinho right now, or if this is something that has to be done at the end of the season, they'll have to just see this one out. Report from the Press Association Sport suggests Michelle Platini and Sepp Blatter could both receive long bans for their role in that payment to Michelle Platini that Sepp Blatter signed off on in 2011, a two million Swiss franc payment uh, to the UEFA for president, the, uh, the the ban could be as long as seven years. Now, the the report says it's unlikely that they will get a lifetime ban, which requires proof of corruption, but a shorter ban, uh, which could be seven years again. Uh, is is likely at this point, at least per these reports. Both of them have re- de- denied any wrongdoing. In fact, Subblatter has taken the step of writing a letter to all of FIFA's 209 member associations protesting his innocence and criticizing FIFA's ethics committee ahead of the hearings. Blatter will have his hearing Thursday. Platini will have his thir- his hearing on Friday. And a uh, a decision is expected by Monday. Now we could be on Monday. We could wake up to Michelle Platini no longer being allowed to run for FIFA president in 2016. That would certainly change the nature of that race. Although there are uh, some some candidates emerging uh, beyond the pack here that are not UEFA president Michelle Platini. Now uh, we was uh, we will see again whether or not Sub Blatter recedes into the background or if he continues to rage against the dying of the light as he is. Uh, uh, as he is wont to do. Speaking of FIFA, Steven Gerrard, Andrea Pirlo, and Xavi Hernandez have been stopped from playing in a friendly 
in Kuwait due to a FIFA ban. Uh, the, uh, uh, the Kuwaiti FA was suspended by FIFA in October because of government, government interference. The ban from international competition extends to active players registered with clubs from taking part in a football champions tour friendly in Kuwait on Friday against the local all-star team. That means Pirlo and Gerard, who both play Major League Soccer, and Xavi, who is based in, in Qatar, are no longer able to uh, participate. This is, again, I, I don't know the situation in Kuwait necessarily, but this is, again, the weirdness of FIFA bringing a ban down on a FIFA, a member association for government interference when, in fact, FIFA makes everything political. It's part of the ridiculous thing about FIFA. Barcelona, as I mentioned, the Club World Cup in Japan. Barcelona has arrived. The Champions League winners will face Guangzhou Evergrande on Thursday in the semifinals. River Plate will take on, I'm going to say this, Senfreche, I believe, of Japan in the other semifinals. So River Plate, Senfreche on Wednesday. Barcelona and Guangzhou Evergrande on Thursday. There's a fifth-place match happening on Wednesday as well. Club America from, from Mexico and TP Mazembe. Uh, from Africa, you also have uh, in this tournament, all you had in this tournament, Auckland City uh, from Oceania. Oceania, they were knocked out by San Freche in the very first round of the tournament. Uh, it's a weird tournament. It doesn't mean anything. Nobody seems to care. But Club America falling flat as they did in their first game, uh, certainly not a good thing for, for CONCACAF. All right. Finally, today, as I mentioned, an anniversary, the 20th anniversary of the decision around Bosman, the decision, the Bosman decision coming down 20 years ago in 1995. Of course, Jean-Marc Bosman went to court to, uh, to secure his release from his team RFC Liège in his home, uh, in his home country of Belgium and wanted to join a French outfit. He was restricted from doing so. There was a, con- there was essentially there was a, a transfer fee required for players who were out of contract. The Bosman ruling allowed for players who are out of contract to move freely. Again, we'll probably bring this up with Luke Moore, talk about the impact of the Bosman ruling 20 years later. It's, a, it's effectively the free agency of European football and has made a, a big difference in the way players have moved around teams um, since then. All right, here we go. Let's take a break. When we come back, we will open up the phone lines for you on a Tuesday, let you get your say in right here on World Soccer Talks, Soccer Morning. I'm Jason Davis. We'll be right back. There you go. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we're back on Soccer Morning on a Tuesday. We have time for your phone calls. We'd like to get them in. Let's do that right now. 646-832-3909 is the phone number. You can also hit us up at Soccer Morning on Twitter. I was just reviewing my tweets from the last, I don't know, 24 hours or so. We got a, a bunch of discussion about, uh, that we had yesterday over at Sirius XMFC about uh, uh, about Jermaine Jones and his suspension, six games from uh, from MLS, which also could impact his uh, his ability to play for the U.S. Men's National Team. He has to serve that suspension before he's eligible to play internationally. Uh, whether or not this means the end of things for him in MLS remains to be seen. 
Uh, let's see. Uh, we've got JT picking, uh, making his choices for women's and men's player of the year for U.S. soccer. The men, Clint uh, Dempsey, and the women, Carly Lloyd, for him. Uh, again, uh, Becky Sauerbrunn definitely in with a shout there uh, for the women. Uh, let's see. Uh, Lucho Lalo about Miami FC. I entered that over at SiriusXM. I got a couple of other things here. Uh, my, my friend Luis Bueno up in, out in L.A. says can't switch the calendar. Can't switch the, uh, the, the MLS calendar from where it currently is, which is obviously a spring, well, late winter, early spring start all the way into December. Um, and, and the reason that came up again is because of the television ratings for the MLS Cup final, which are, which were terrible, uh, for a lot of reasons, but mostly because they went up against the NFL and got crushed. And that's, um, that's, um, you know that's just par for the course when it comes to MLS these days, and and as the league continues to try to transition itself into a big time sporting competition, it's going to need more of that TV revenue, and it's going to need more TV ratings to prove that it's a viable product for TV companies. Of course, we did have that interview um, over at uh, Philly dot com that uh, John Tannewald, the goalkeeper, conducted with Scott Gugliamino about the future of ESPN and MLS and the TV partners and how they view these things um, and whether or not there's going to be changes in the offing. I don't think a calendar switch is coming anytime soon, but there may be some changes in the way that they handle that MLS Cup final. Could be on a weeknight. Uh, certainly there's some logistical things. I mean, no matter what you do, this is the, the, the situation MLS finds itself in. No matter what you do, there is going to be a logistical problem. There's going to be someone that you're pissing off as you make a, a decision to change the way it's currently presented. And it's, it's, and again, it's not that it's good now when everybody's on board, but you're, I, I suppose if you're MLS, you're trying to find the path of least resistance when it comes to putting out your, your product, especially an MLS Cup final. I mean, let's be honest. That's supposed to be the biggest game of the year, supposed to be the biggest ratings of the year. And it's not even coming close. And that, that sort of demands action, but at the same time, well, if we flip the calendar and now we've got a, uh, we've got to play through a winter, that's a logistical problem. We've got, uh, you're going up against more of the NFL, really, than you were before. Now, let's see, what, what else is on the table if you, as you switch the calendar? I mean, there's so many other, it's just a matter of, of changing the minds of those television companies who have, who signed on because they, 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 they were able to slot that inventory in in certain places. All right. 646-832-3909. See, as soon as I talk about this, as soon as I bring this issue up, and again, I'm, I'm presenting some of the logistical issues. I'm not necessarily advocating one way or the other in this particular moment. I have said that I don't think a season switch makes a lot of sense. Producer Trevor is all on board for a season switch and wants to debate me behind the scenes using the chat that we use to communicate during the show so you guys get me momentarily distracted as he throws out his arguments because yes the regular season would go up against the nfl as opposed to the playoffs which would not yes that is certainly a benefit of flipping the season there's also another benefit and this is advocated by many people out there especially people former players like eric winalda and that's lining up the transfer windows with europe so that the players in MLS and going in and coming out of MLS can move within those windows. That's, uh, that would certainly be a benefit to the league. 646-832-3909.
taking you up to 940 here, uh, when we will grab uh, Luke, Luke Moore from the world-famous Football Ramble, talking about the English Premier League, certainly talking about Chelsea, certainly talking about uh, Bosman, Jean-Marc Bosman, and, and, and the impact that the decision over his uh, fight to be able to, to move freely. I mean, here's the thing about Bosman, too. The He did not benefit at all from that decision. By the time the decision came down in 1995, his career was over. He was uh, he was 30 years old, but his career was done. He was always a kind of a fringe player anyway. Uh, I'm going to read uh, directly from uh, the write-up over at uh, World Soccer Talk, but this is uh, actually from the AFP, I believe. Back in 1990, Bosman, then 25, wanted to leave RFC Liège in his homeland of uh, in his homeland of Belgium to join French French outfit Dunkirk. Bosman was out of contract, but Dunkirk refused to meet Liège's asking price, and so the Belgians blocked his transfer. As he was no longer a first team player, Liège reduced his salary. The player himself believed this was a breach of his rights, considering European football's governing body UEFA to be applying the rules that contravened. contravened the free circulation of labor, as was enshrined in European Union law, and took his case to the European Court of Justice. And here we are, 20 years later. And, you know, lots of questions as to whether or not the Bosman ruling, which certainly is fair from a, from a player's perspective, certainly is the right thing to do under the European laws, just as Kurt Flood and, and, that, and the, the, the striking down of the reserve clause in baseball was the, the right thing for for, for for workers' rights, certainly, in um, the NFL's gotten a gotten restricted free agency and moved it, you know, into a, a a broader type of free agency. But still, I don't think the NFL has complete uh, unfettered free agency, if I'm not I'm not mistaken. Um, and the, as was pointed out, uh, since we're talking about free agency in MLS, obviously, free agency has never been a thing until 2015. We've got our first. Free agent signing in Justin Mapp. Is it going to be momentous? We'll, we'll have to see. I think, you know, history will tell us whether or not that, uh, that sort of free agency, the restricted free agency of MLS and the signing of, of Justin Mapp as the first ever free agent, uh, turns out to be a momentous thing that we'll be talking about 20 years from now. But certainly it's notable that MLS got free agency. The players got free agency without a work stoppage or taking the, or, or a court decision in this case. So Bosman obviously was uh, the guinea pig here, and uh, eventually the, the the rest of the footballing world benefited from his decision to take his fight to court, even though he did not himself directly benefit. Bosman's destitute at this point. Destitute. I mean, he spent some time in jail recently. He's got no cash. It says uh, here, Bosman is destitute, although he says he regrets nothing. The, uh, that day, footballers who had, who had until then been commodities became workers, free and in charge of their own destiny, added Bosman. He came away from the ECG, ECJ ruling with 400,000 euros, but that was soon blown on lawyers' fees, tax, and poor investment decisions. Bosman fell into depression and alcoholism, and he was even sentenced to a year in jail in 2013 for assaulting his former girlfriend and her daughter. He remains out of work and doesn't get any social aid. However, FIFPRO... The International Federation of Professional Footballers is said to be ready to come to his assistance and give Bosman a job. The, rule cha- the rules have changed, and Europe has since be- seen a ma- massive influx of players from elsewhere in the world to the point that less than half the players currently plying their trade in Belgium are Belgians. 
I mean, this is obviously the other side of the Bel- of the Bosman ruling. Is once you open up um, the, those markets to players by on the basis of free trade and free player free worker movement, now you have that other th- you know you have the 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 impact of that being the influx of foreign players. Six four six eight three two thirty nine oh nine. Guys need to wake up this morning. I know it's it's only Tuesday. Christmas is next week for those of you who celebrate that. We've got Hanukkah going on. We've got you know there, there, it's it's just the December lull, right? There's a December. Is it me or is there is a December lull? Maybe it's because MLS is over. I don't know. I mean, I'm in, I'm fascinated by the Leicester story. I continue to be fascinated by that. Fascinated by, by Chelsea on the other side. Since those two teams played yesterday, we'll talk about them. Fascinated by what could be a, a, a pretty remarkable Premier League table at the end of the campaign. Uh, fascinated by what else? What else is fascinating out there? Are there a bunch of lists I should be reading towards the end of the season, towards the end of the year? It is almost the end of 2015. Where's my 2015? The best stories, biggest stories of 2015. Oh, that they definitely exist, right? The biggest soccer. Sto- I'm gonna just type this into Google. You guys are gonna get me doing this um, live here on the air. I did not prep this at all. I thought you might call me six four six eight three two thirty nine zero nine. Okay, we we haven't gotten to the best soccer stories of 2015 yet. Because when I type this in, I'm still getting 2014 stuff. Okay, so we we don't. I don't think we have. We don't. Ha- we don't have a whole list. I do have from the Orlando Business Journal top Orlando City soccer club stories of the year. Oh, okay. Here are the biggest stories of the year from Orlando City. Orlando City soccer reveals new plans. For the downtown stadium, Orlando City Soccer Club scores big with MLS opener. Walt Disney World, Orlando City Soccer, Inc. new multi-year partnership. Uh, Orlando City adds Sherwin-Williams as stadium partner. Oh, okay, those are all business stuff. That's kind of boring. That's kind of boring. Let's go to Randall in Florida. What's up, Randall? Uh, nothing much, Jason. How's it going? It's going well. You want to talk about the Foxes? Yes, I do. Uh... Has there any, been anything like this in soccer? I mean, I came into the soccer boat pretty late, unfortunately, so I don't really know that much about Premier League history. Well, okay, so so the Premier League is 25-ish years old. 1992, I think, was the first, uh, 1993 was the first season of the Premier League. Uh, Trevor, correct me if I'm wrong on that. Uh, I mean, before that, there was a first division in England. It was a sort of a different thing. The reason the Premier League exists is because the teams at the time that were in the top division said, hey, we can go get more TV money if we band together and sort of make our own thing. And that's what they did. So the Premier League is, you know, sort of a, a, a revision of top division in, in England built around the idea that they could be better uh, economically. And then, of course, that, that's proven to be true. They are massive. The first year was uh see founded in uh, 1992 i'm guessing 90, 92 93 was the the first season all right so i think that you probably have to go back to to blackburn winning in 1994 95 to 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 you know to and blackburn wasn't a, they weren't they weren't a, a skinflint team i mean they weren't working on a small budget they were pretty they ended up blowing all of it in, in order to go win that premier league title and sort of dissipated and you know, re, uh, fell into the background. I mean, where's Blackburn right now? What what division is Blackburn in, Trevor? Anybody know? I want to say they're in League One right uh, now. Are they in League One? 
No, they're in the championship. Oh. Okay, they are they are in the championship. They finished ninth last year. They're in the championship. All right. So and that you know Blackburn is a is a club that probably should be in the Premier League, but it's going to yo-yo a bit, right? So, but they're the last team that you could look at because that, I mean, look, look at the, the list of champions: United, United, Blackburn in ninety four, ninety five, United, United, Arsenal, United, 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 Arsenal, United, Arsenal, Chelsea, Chelsea, United, 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 Chelsea, United, City, new money, you know, lots of money. Can't be compared to Leicester at all. United, City, Chelsea. Those are your champions in 20 years of the, or 23 years of the Premier League, whatever it's been. So this, I don't think this has ever happened in England. Now, I don't know. We, we could, we could go through the Rolodex here and, and think about whether or not it's happened in other places. I mean, the, uh, the Spanish League has changed a little bit over the course of the, the modern era. And now you don't have the variety of champions you used to have in Spain. I mean, Atletico Madrid winning a title was a big deal in, in in part because that doesn't happen anymore. Um, uh, let's see. What else? Where else? I mean, Germany, maybe if you want to throw. I, I mean, I don't know. I, I don't I don't think so, man. I really don't. I think in terms of the, the, the leagues that are stratified the way that the Premier League is, I don't know that this has happened recently. All right. Anything else? Uh, anything else, Randall? I mean, are you the type of person who is excited to see somebody breaking up that that exclusive party? Or are you sort of? Uh, are you a fan of one of the big clubs? I mean, where do you fall? Well, I started out enjoying Manchester United mainly because I didn't have a team close by. Then I started looking at Orlando in the third division and just fell in love with them. <laughs> okay, well that's fine. You can be an Orlando City fan and also have a team in England. There's nothing wrong with that necessarily. But does that have you stopped? caring as much about United because of Orlando City? Yes. Okay, that's fair. I mean, you know, sometimes there's only room in our heart for one team, Randall. I, I totally get that. I appreciate the call, and, and I appreciate you listening. If you got anything else, let me know. Uh, one other thing. Is there any sport within the United States that actually has the rules for money that the same way the soccer leagues do, where you're pretty much able to spend like crazy? Because I'm thinking the only... What we have is baseball. Yeah, uh, baseball. The only the only thing that baseball's got is a luxury tax. If you spend over what's the I think it's two hundred million. If you spend over two hundred million bucks on your payroll, maybe it's even less than that. You have to pay into a fund that is then divvied uh, divvied out among the other teams in the league. So that's the only. It's it's sort of a penalty for spending way more than anybody else. But that's it. I mean, I think baseball is pretty unrestricted. So I would say baseball. Um, hockey's got a cap. NFL's obviously got a cap. NBA's got a cap and got rules on contracts. So, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it, it's baseball and that's about it. Okay. Thank you. Appreciate it, Randall. Good stuff, man. Randall from, uh, from Florida calling in. And, and Leicester City is a, a fantastic story. I mean, we're going to find out as, as I was sort of been addressing throughout, uh, the course of, of the last couple of weeks. We are going to find out whether or not Leicester City can hang on here. Um, and if they're for real, I mean, they look for real. I think it would be wrong to say that they're not for real. But at the same time, you look at, you know, you look at their, their upcoming fixture list. You look at the, uh, you look at the history of the Premier League and you just, you wonder if they're going to fade. Here's their next, or so they just beat Chelsea at home. Okay, they beat, they were, Leicester City was at home and they beat Chelsea 2-1. Again, fantastic goal, um, to, to win it, uh, from, from Mares. They've got Everton at Goodison Park, Liverpool at Anfield, 
Then they host Manchester City and they host Bournemouth to close out uh, the festive period. That's uh, you know that's a pretty difficult run. I mean, and look, Bournemouth, the way this league is working, Bournemouth is a potential uh, you know a potential letdown game, a trap game that they have to watch out for. Bournemouth beat uh, beat um, Manchester United, so these things can happen. Bournemouth beat Chelsea. Paulo Toledo's helping me out here. Plenty of news. European draw. Yeah, we haven't. Uh, you know what? Here's the, here's what happened. Okay, so I intended to go into the European draw, the Champions League draw, the Liga MX final. Uh, Jordan Morris, which we did a little bit on the on Series XMFC yesterday. I intended to go into all of that stuff on yesterday's program, and then you know we had the technical issue, and um. And weren't able to do the web show. So that's why I didn't get to all of that. And I didn't know if, if we were the, like, I, I don't like doing stuff after it's, after it's old. And I feel like it's a day we're, we're, we're into the window where that stuff is now, now old. But maybe not. Maybe we should talk about the, the, the European draw, the European championship draw. Maybe we should talk about the Champions League draw, which is really rough. On Arsenal again. And PSG got Chelsea again. And we just talked to Jonathan Johnson. When was that, uh, Trevor? Last uh, Late last week. We talked to Jonathan Johnson and asked him, you know, about the draw for PSG. And basically said, as long as it's not, as long as it's not Chelsea or Barcelona. We've seen these teams. Well, I guess uh, they were in Barcelona's group, right? As long as it's not Chelsea. And they were in Madrid's group. Okay, so it's been Barcelona in the past. And and here it is. It's Chelsea again. And it's like, do we really need this matchup again? Robert in L.A., what's up, my friend? Hey, good morning, Jason. Hey, uh, here's something you can talk about uh, that happened over the weekend. Uh, Club America crashed out of the Club World Cup. Uh, the Chinese champions. Yeah, you know, I, I saw the score. I didn't see any of the game. Um, you know, I'm sure that uh, timing-wise, that was really tough for people on this side of the world to watch. Um, you know, I I don't know how seriously they took how seriously did they take it, uh, Robert? Because I mean, that man obviously matters. It's a long flight. It's a weird tournament. I don't know. I mean, I on one hand, I sort of want to go ha ha. On the other hand, I don't care. Well, if you were. Watching uh, the, the Univision, they pretty much, they're all calling for the coach's head. Pretty much saying it was a complete failure since they lost. They're saying if they can at least make it to the semifinals, at least, at least they're looking forward to that match against Barcelona. It's because the other teams in the past, the Mexican teams, like last year, Cruz Azul and Montreal a couple years before that, they at least always made it to the semifinals where, where they will lose to the European team or the South American team. But pretty much, uh, Mexican media is calling for the coach's head. Pretty much the way they, he was already under pressure because the way they, they crashed out of the playoffs, the semifinal Liga MX playoffs, and they were, they had the match, and then they pretty much gave it up in the last five minutes. Uh, yeah, yeah. You remember how Orlando City wanted to get that Brazilian player, Rubinho? He scored the first goal, and then uh, ex-Tottenham first lock, Paulinho, scores the game winner in the last minute, so... Yeah, you know, um, if if it's about their their losing in the in the in the league of playoffs, Robert, then I understand maybe firing the coach. What's his? Who is it again? Uh, name escapes me. Too many things to hold inside my head. But if it's about if it's about 
the playoffs, okay, maybe there's some, uh, some reason to fire him. But if it's about the Club World Cup, come on, nobody cares about that. I mean, even if you have this notion that Mexican teams want to go and show well and get that game against the, the European champs, in this case Barcelona, you still don't fire a guy because of his, uh, his performance in the Club World Cup. Maybe it's the way they, they, they performed. I think maybe it's the maybe. performance than the actual result. Yeah, I suppose that that's possible. If you, if you say that they came out flat, that they didn't show any heart, that they didn't look, they didn't represent Mexican football and Club America very well on that end, then perhaps I guess you could go with that. Robert, appreciate the call, man. Oh, yeah, one more thing. But did you check the, talk about the Liga Mex final? That was crazy. I, I did not. I didn't get to see. Here's the thing. I didn't get to see the second leg for, for personal reasons. I had stuff going on in my life. I didn't get to see the second leg. I know Pumas made a complete and utter comeback, which was stunning. When I, find, when I saw the score, I was stunned, Robert. I mean, to, to see that Pumas had come back from 3 nothing, and then ended up, what, 4-1, and then they had to go to penalties, and obviously uh, Tigres won on penalties. Pretty much uh, stoppage time goals, which which resulted in, in extra time and then going to penalties. So it was actually it was it was actually exciting from compared to the first leg. Like, everyone thought it was going to be a letdown, and then once they got the first one, you're like, oh wait, this could happen. And then they got the second one, and then that's when they got full on crazy. But yeah. uh, that's what I want to talk about. Thanks for taking my call. Right, thanks, Robert. I mean, like, yeah, the, the Liga MX final was was spectacularly dramatic in part because it was a three nothing lead for Tigres going into the second leg. And then uh, Pumas made a big comeback, and from what I saw, Gignac scored a goal in, in extra or at uh, added time or, or towards the death of that game in order to, to keep Tigres uh, ahead or to get them back. I can't remember which one. Uh, let's go to Patrick in Pennsylvania. What's up? Hey, Jason. Uh, I usually call from South Carolina, but uh, just got back here yesterday from uh, the College Cup uh, after heading oh, home. Oh, you sound so depressed, Patrick. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely not the result I wanted, but, uh, anyway, first off, hats off to Stanford. I mean, they played an incredible game. Jordan Morris is an incredible player. They have a lot of other incredible players on that team, too, but definitely not the ending I was hoping for. No, certainly not. Uh, but I mean, you know, to, to make a final pretty remarkable stuff, I imagine Clemson will be back next year. I, I certainly hope so. I mean, it, if you look at the way the program had been building ever since we, we hired Mike Newton, I mean, we were kind of at the bottom of the, the ACC, you know, after, uh, after we had a, a lot of great years. I mean, we obviously had players like, uh, Stu Holden and Iguchi Onyewu, uh, not too, too long ago, but, you know, a- after those guys left, it kind of had a bit of a rough period. And, you know, now, now we're sort of enjoying. Uh, some success again last year. We had like a, an amazing one in the ACC tournament and this year. You know, pretty remarkable to get to get to the final. So pretty happy. Um, if, uh, if I can also give a quick shout out, our women's team has had a lot of the same success. Or you know, we hired a new coach not too long ago. They were they were in an even worse state than the men's team was. And uh, this year, you know, they made the ACC tournament, which we hadn't done in forever, despite the fact that they. Uh, they shortened the field to just four teams for the women's tournament. So, yeah. um, pretty, still pretty happy about the season. Okay, there you go. Appreciate the call, uh, Patrick, and uh, mm-hmm. we'll uh, we'll be uh, watching to see if Clemson can get back and, and maybe some changes coming to college soccer. Maybe, maybe not. Let's go to uh, Daniel in Atlanta. What's up, Daniel? Daniel, are you there? Hey, there you are. There you are, Daniel. Hi, Daniel. <laughs> hey. Um, I just wanted to say, 
that uh, I was reading an article on my way home from work yesterday, and it was funny because I'm thinking, LA needs a new goalkeeper. And I don't mind seeing Brian Rowe as the goalkeeper, but I was reading this off of uh, LA Confidential, and I want to give credit to Tyler who wrote it. And it was funny because he was giving us some scenarios for how we should get Dan Kennedy. And one of the funniest things I read was trading Omar, who has a no-trade clause, <laughs> in order to get a 33-year-old goalkeeper. And I, I, I don't know. I just I just thought it was pretty funny to to trade a player of, of you know his high caliber, high high talent, and get somebody who's been in the league for right. a while. Right. Well, I mean, they ended up getting Dan Kennedy, and uh, what was the what were the what was uh, traded for him? See, that's 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 what I don't know. I can't I can't find it anywhere. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it being MLS, uh, we don't we don't know exactly. Uh, we never know exactly what's going on here uh, because MLS doesn't because disclose the, the, the they don't disclose I don't think, anything. I don't think. I don't think did we get rid of a player? Because if we did, I would have I would I would have I would have read about it. But probably some money. But other than that, I don't know. Yeah, I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to look here. I, I don't I don't know. I mean, well, I don't even know. Is this official? I don't know if it's official. That's why that's why yeah, I, it I, seems I came weird. on to, it, to say how, how ridiculous it sounded. I heard it, and now I'm seeing all I'm seeing is rumor or could be or reports. Uh, okay, here we go. Galaxy lands Dan Kennedy, hopes to keep Omar Gonzalez from the L.A. Times. Uh, Kevin Baxter over there. Uh, da 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 da. Not trying to figure. I'm trying to find it. I, I, just give me a couple of minutes. I mean, may, maybe not. I mean, I'm not gonna. I can't hold you on the air while I try to find this, uh, Daniel. We'll just have to. We'll just have to buy that something happened. Um, that they traded something. Probably Tam. Everybody's gonna trade their Tam for stuff like this. No, why would why would LA get get, get rid of their Tam for Dan? Kennedy? Well, I mean, if they, if they, they at, can trade, they can trade some they'll Tam. They use it on Omar. They can they can trade some tam, but not all of their tam. They don't have to trade it all, I mean, Daniel. Then, then congratulations to Justin Mathis for being the first free agent. Yeah, you know, just makes me makes me happy to be a, a, a supporter of MLS and seeing that we finally have some some sort of free agency. Some sort of free agency, Daniel. I gotta go, man. Appreciate the phone call. Yeah, no problem. Uh, Daniel in Atlanta, so we will step aside and come back. Grab our friend, excuse me, grab our friend Luke Moore from the Football Ramble. Talk some English football. 20 years of the Bosman rule. Let's uh, let's do that. Soccer morning. WorldSoccerTalk.com. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, we are back on the air. We are talking now to Luke Moore from the Football Ramble. Talking uh, English football. We'll, we'll probably verge into some European topics as well. Luke, how are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Let's uh, let's talk about uh, let's talk about the Premier League. Let's talk about Leicester City uh, again. Winners over over Chelsea yesterday, uh, two to one. 
and this continue the story continues both both sides in this particular case uh the 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 good things for Lester the good things for Claudio Ranieri the bad things for Jose Mourinho yeah it was a fascinating game wasn't it I sort of thought it would be knowing that going into it Mourinho wouldn't have been able to sort of play for a draw against a good team I mean if Leicester were in the position they're in and Chelsea was still up, well, up there as well I think Chelsea Mourinho would have been like well, you know they're a good team they're playing well we get a draw out of this that's fine they're going to drop away at some point so we'll just keep going because of the position Chelsea alright we're back um, on soccer morning apologies for that quick interruption there uh, Skype thing could not be helped. Uh, Luke Moore's with us from the Football Ramble, and we were just Luke. We were setting this up. We were talking about uh, Jose Mourinho and his approach there at Leicester. Yeah, it wasn't that boring, was I, Jason? I thought you hung up on me then. <laughs> no, certainly not. <laughs> certainly not. I was just saying that it was interesting because we knew that Mourinho and Chelsea would have to go and try and win this game, which then would lead to a really open encounter, given Leicester's confidence and their their appearing lack of. Um, of respect for opponents, I suppose, at the moment, meant they were going to attack as well. And that's what we saw. And it was a fascinating game. And Chelsea had the lion's share of possession, in fact. But um, it looked like Leicester were, well, Leicester were the only team that were going to win it. Um, and it really is fascinating now to see what Chelsea do, what moves they make next. You give me a sense from from what you've seen of Leicester, how they've been managed, how they've managed to do this. Because um, someone I follow on Twitter, I can't remember who it was, threw out a stat that um, you know, and stats aren't at the end all be all, of course. But they threw out a stat that the team with the uh, one of the teams, something about lowest completion uh, pass completion percentage at home is Leicester against uh, maybe against the top teams or something like that. But it just goes to show you that despite Leicester's success, they're not necessarily a team that's coming out and bossing a game. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of questions wrapped up in one now. I think the main, the main question is that how they're doing what they're doing. Now, I, I'm not an expert on Leicester particularly, but from what I've seen, they're defending as a unit. It's not always working because there are some teams in the Premier League that can score goals. And, and I think... In a way, Ranieri's almost made his peace with that. Um, he wants he's made a, he's made a sort of plea for more clean sheets from Leicester earlier in the season. They're not really getting that, but um, they're still outscoring everyone else, and they've got probably three of the best players in the Premier League on form at the moment in the shape of Kante and Vardy and Mares. Mm-hmm. And so, if the defenders can defend as a unit and really defend as a group rather than defend individually. Um, and, then, and then they can transition the ball quickly through and players like Vardy and Mahrez and Kante with such confidence um, can, can, can hurt teams and look at Mahrez yesterday he's virtually unplayable not really an awful lot anyone can do about it to be honest and, and I think they should just be concentrating on riding this wave for as long as they can uh, they've got three tough games coming up if they come out the back of those next three um, it's still on top of the table then I mean as far as I'm concerned it's officially on no team has finished lower than fourth with this early points total they've got now so they could already be massively upsetting the apple cars already so it would be interesting to see how they can close it out I think they're projected to, to get about 82 or 83 points this season mm-hmm. which in 2011 would have been enough to win the Premier League and I think for the last few seasons it would have been enough to finish at least third possibly even second um, but they're doing it with a lot of confidence and, yeah. and actually just finally Confidence is a huge, a huge part of football. If you look at the players that Chelsea had on paper yesterday, um, they're, but they're just not playing with any sort of confidence at all. And, and, and as soon as they can see the goal, their heads go down. They're not striking the ball properly. They're not um, counter-attacking with any intent or any verve. Um, and, that, and, and the result is, is what you see. Speaking of uh, top four finishes, Jose has to admit, had to admit after that match in his post-game comments 
that fourth is is basically gone for Chelsea. Now that that may seem like well, yeah, of course it is, but you know, the, the, in order for Chelsea to continue to trudge along here and and not completely collapse, I imagine they had to at least um, present the possibility that something like that was that w- was open to them because this is Chelsea. They don't, you know, they're not shooting for seventh. Yeah, I don't know which. I don't know if he knows which way to turn. To be honest, I think he feels like he's tried everything, um, and now he maybe is trying the stick approach rather than the carrot and sort of trying to give these players a little bit of a kick up the backside and see if that works. But the problem for Mourinho is when he when he when he sort of bases his strategy around an unbreakable bond of trust between a handful of core players, um, and then that trust is broken somehow, he doesn't really have any way to turn. I mean, people have said to me this morning, why isn't he playing young players? Well. Two reasons. One, because um, you can only register a certain amount of players in the Premier League unless they've been been coached and trained through the British system. I don't know how many of Chelsea's players have. And secondly, because he's got no record at all of bringing young players through, because he essentially doesn't really include young players in his uh, in his strategy. You know, he, this is a man who's de- used to deal with elite players and pretty much elite players only. Um, there's been history, there's been examples in the past of him essentially ruining young prospects. Um, Inter and, and, and to a lesser extent Real Madrid so he's not going to have that option open to him if he, gone, the, gone the days for Mourinho where he could just play a lot of young players and say Look, let's see how these guys get on mm. well, he can't it, do that anymore yeah. and now he's got well now he's got even more problems because it looks like Ed Nazard is, is injured and um, Jose's talking about it possibly, perhaps being a serious injury I haven't seen anything this morning um, about the, the prognosis for, for Azar, but he's been an important player for them. They lose him. It, it just adds to the problems for Jose trying to pick a team that can win some games. I mean, yeah, I mean, partly I agree with that, but the other side of it is that Hazard's been terrible. So, I mean, it might even be a blessing in disguise that he's not available because he might have to rethink it and do things in a slightly different way, which might work for him. But the other reason he can't play young players as well, just to go back to that, is because it's not really an environment for them. You can't go to a, young, a group of young players, even if you can register them to play in the Premier League, or even if they are registered, and say, right, you're playing on Saturday, four or five of you, you're all playing. By the way, if you lose, we're in the relegation zone. Chelsea, in the relegation zone in the middle of December. <laughs> yeah, what sort of pressure is that for young? It can't happen. He's got nowhere to turn. In a way, Mourinho is essentially very slowly and very publicly being hoisted by his own petard. Mm-hmm. And there's not really an awful lot he can do about it because mm-hmm. he's relying on these players to pull him out of it. And these are players that it looks like he's completely isolated and, and made, by the look of it, fairly unhappy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, while, uh, while Chelsea continues to struggle and certainly has tumbled down the table into a shocking position, Manchester United has maintained a spot at least hovering around the top of the table uh, with an idea that they might be able to go for a title this year, Luke. And then they do something like go and lose to Bournemouth. And, you know, in light of the Champions League failure, there's certainly a lot of questions now about Louis van Gaal and his immediate future. Is this a situation where you could see him getting the sack? Tough one. I don't know if a real top manager, which they, which they would be after, would come at this time of the year. I mean, it's only half of the uh, it's only half of the solution, isn't it? Firing manager, you've got to find another one. If you can't find someone who's got the wherewithal and the history and the experience to to manage a club the size of United, because it's not just managing a team, it's managing a club. There, they're a global brand. You know, yeah. Moyes was completely blindsided by how big the job was. Uh, Van Gaal isn't. I mean, for all his faults, he is a big club manager, so that's why part of the reason he's there. They can't fire Van Gaal unless they. Um, unless they have someone lined up to take over. And I don't think someone like... I mean, who are the candidates? Ancelotti, he's probably not going to go this time of year. Garnier definitely won't go. 
Um, Mourinho, I mean, God, they'd be crazy to hire Mourinho at the moment. So I, I would I say mean, the short answer to that is no. Well, I mean, at this point in the season, as you said, they, they end up probably with a caretaker, at least for a little while, and then it, that probably ends up following to, falling to somebody like Giggs. And I don't know that... I mean, certainly, I don't think Giggs should put himself in that position. I don't know if I don't know that he would have. Uh, I don't know if he would have the stones to turn it down, though. It's possible. I mean, they could yeah, they could bring Giggs through and and, and get him to caretaker for the end of the season again because he caretakered a while yeah. before, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, fair enough. They could do that. That's definitely an option for them. Um, Van Gaal's painting himself into a bit of a corner. I mean, he's not exactly um, sort of telling the party line, is he? I mean, he's not saying the right things when they get beaten. He's not. He's not admitting any sort of defeat at all or any sort of mistakes he's made at all, which isn't endearing into the fan base. And then, of course, they're playing this sort of um, this sort of terrible brand of sort of non-adventurous football, which is a no-no, especially at United. Um, because defensively, they've been fairly solid. I mean, you know, they, they made mistakes against Bournemouth, but generally they've been solid. I think they've got the best defensive, league in the Premier, uh, defensive, rec- defensive record in the Premier League. So overall, defensively, they've been OK, especially with the injuries they've got. But going forward, they look terrible, and, and that is a cardinal sin at Old Trafford. Yeah, uh, it would be very, very interesting to see what happens over the Christmas period where those games come thick and fast. When we come into the new year, if United are still in the top four, then, I mean, might might be enough to keep them in the job anyway. Yeah, well, well what do you make of, of, at this point, what do you make of Wayne Rooney and his uh, his lack of production, his sort of uh, the, the, the question of whether or not he is... Uh, should be as big of a figure in this team as as he as he remains, and and certainly you know as he reaches this point in his, in his career, people are starting to to question whether or not he fully met all of the potential he showed all those years ago at Everton. Yeah, I guess I'll sort of detect two questions in there. The answer to the first one is that he shouldn't be in the team, and, and he shouldn't be in really he shouldn't be a, a shoe in for the England team either. Not given how other players are playing in that position. Um, but he's Wayne Rooney, and you know Wayne Rooney is a huge star in the UK. For those of your listeners who don't know, and he always will be, and, and so his reputation precedes him, and, and he, he stays in the team as part of that. Uh, he needs a time. He needs time out of the team. He's unquestionably the worst form he's been in, in his entire career, um, and a lot of people think that he's burnt out. That he started so early, so young, but he, he's, he's essentially finished, and it's a downward spiral from now on. Um, in terms of the potential, it's possibly a bit harsh. I mean, he's won pretty much everything he win at club level. Uh, and in some in some cases, more than once uh, at international level, he's not performed, not not achieved. But then no one has been England really for 50 years. So, I mean, that's it's a bit unfair to beat him with that particular stick. Mm-hmm. Um, time will tell. I mean, he's probably going to finish his career as Man United's all-time top scorer, and they're the biggest club arguably in, in the history of football. So, you know, it, it depends which way you look at it, I suppose. Mm, very tough on, on Wayne Rooney. Um, all right, before I have to let you go, Luke, let's just uh, touch on a, on two two draws, uh, both of them happening in the last couple of days. Uh, I'll go back to the to the Euro Championships and, and and the European draw for France 2016, and just get your take on. Uh, I mean, you know, uh, certainly on England's group as as they end up with Russia, Wales, and Slovakia, and then broader. Is there is there is there a group of death in this tournament? I'm not sure there is. Yeah, I think the Belgium... Is there one with Belgium, Italy, and Sweden there? Yes, that, that, that be that's probably to avoid it. Because yeah. uh, when Italy were put in pot two, I think that group that they came out in was always going to be a tough group. Yeah. Um, and there was Sweden in there as well, who've got the Zlatan factor, and they've got some good players, and, and they've looked okay in, in parts. Um, and Zlatan, it'll probably be his final tournament, so he'll want to make a splash. 
um, I think that group is, is, is the toughest one. Yeah, and uh, feel 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 a little bad for the Republic again. I mean, the, last time they made it, they went to the Euros. They their fans put on a show and they crashed out in spectacular fashion. They just weren't good enough. I imagine they're going to have uh, as much problem with this group as they did back in 2012. Yeah, but the thing is, at least in this in this particular format format of the of the tournament, there's three teams can go through, so yeah. every point they can pick up will be valuable. Um, so they might better sneak through, then they could get, you know, you never know. Once you came to knockout football, yeah. we've seen time and time again, anything can happen. And I don't want to be too cliche, sort of ridden, but if every point is valuable in that tournament format because the best third place teams go through as well. Mm. Um, so all is not lost for them, but it, it's going to be tough. But then you know, the European Championships is, is traditionally a very high standard. Yeah. And it's tough anyway. Uh, very quickly, so Group B: England, Russia, Wales, Slovakia. I imagine that England is is uh, far and away the favorite in that group, or at least a, a significant favorite over someone like like Russia or Slovakia. And that's uh, mm. that means pressure at home. Is this is this an England team that can handle it? Probably not, um, but I think Wales will give them problems uh, because Wales will be really motivated. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised yeah, if that finished a draw. I think England should have enough about them to get through the group at least. Uh, I don't think Russia and Slovakia are too good. I mean, it's just not the Russia of 2008, is it? Yeah. So um, it should be it should be okay. Um, as an England fan, I'm fairly happy with the group, actually. I think the Wales game will be really interesting and give us a lot to, to think about and, and a lot to get excited about. And the other two games are eminently winnable, and we avoided Italy. Um, so there's a lot to be positive about. I mean, it's when England get into the knockout stages, they tend to struggle. So it'll be fascinating to see how Roy Hodgson sets them up and and what team he picks and, and what he can do about the Rooney problem because Rooney's his captain. So as things stand, Rooney will start the first game and he's nowhere near good enough to do that at the moment. <laughs> so it's a, he's got a lot of questions to answer and I'll be there to, to pass judgment when he does. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, just to, uh, just quickly, Group A is uh, the, the home side France's group. Romania, Albania, and Switzerland, so a good draw for France. And, I, and Group F is fascinating to me because Iceland's down there and I, I like Iceland a lot. They are obviously a big underdog in the world fo- uh, football based on the, the small population of their island and they've mm. turned out all of these players Portugal, Aust- Austria and Hungary in Group F mm. with, with Iceland definitely worth watching alright uh, Luke so uh, again the other draw very quickly the Champions League draw I think uh, you know Ars- obviously Arsenal has to feel uh, a lot of pain today uh, or the coming out of this draw based on the fact that they get the defending champion Barcelona it's some pretty juicy ties here Juventus and, and Bayern Munich I think is, is pretty fun Roma uh, ends up with Real Madrid that's probably not good for the Italians uh, wh- where else are you looking at this uh, this draw Juventus Bayern is an interesting one because Juventus have started really slowly but they're starting to come into form now if they can keep that form up until the game against Bayern Munich there might be some joy in there for them because mm-hmm. I saw Bayern Munich against Richard Gladbach a couple of weeks ago and Bayern absolutely smashed them in the first half but couldn't score. And in the second half, they are actually quite poor. They end up losing 3-1. And once you go back, they're a good team. But I would, I would rate Juventus as better than them on balance. And I think there might be a bit of joy for Juventus there. I mean, when I say this every time there's a Champions League draw about Arsenal and sometimes about Man City, don't win your group. Yeah. You're going to get a tough draw. It's yeah. as simple as that, really. It's unfortunate they've got Barcelona, but... I mean, what did I expect? Yeah. This is a knockout phase of, of Europe's Premier Club competition, mm. and they haven't won the group. And in actual fact, they're very lucky to be in the knockout phase, mm. and they don't want to turn it around. But you can't complain about getting past Leicester. No, I mean, certainly not. They could have got so they could have got someone a bit um, a bit tougher, but uh, sorry, a bit easier. 
but I mean that's, that's the, the writing's on the wall, and, and, and that's the that's the that's the currency they're dealing in at the moment. I mean they want to do well in Europe, they got to beat these teams. Well, and, and City, you mentioned winning your group, important. City wins their group, they get Dynamo Kiev. Um, you know exactly. that's 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 favorable for them, and there's going to be a lot of expectation for them to 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 win this and go into the quarters. Well, the only sort of downside you can think of for Man City on that front, by the way, is the fact that I think Dynamo Kiev's game in Kiev with Man City has to be played behind closed doors, and that includes City fans. So they're not going to be able to cheer their team on in Kiev, which I think, or wherever it's going to be played, which which is which is unfortunate for them. But other than that, it's a plum draw. You couldn't pick it. You couldn't hand pick a better one. I wouldn't have thought. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of uh, hand wringing over the, the the empty ground situation for that uh, for that game. Uh, we'll see what happens with it. Uh, Luke Moore from the world famous Football Ramble. <clears throat> Excuse me. Make sure you check out the footballramble dot com and he's uh, his show and and his show with his his uh, colleagues is on Sirius XM FC here in the United States. So go check that out as well. Luke, thank you very much for your time. Thank you as always. Nice to talk uh, to you. Good stuff from Luke. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll wrap up this edition of Soccer Morning here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Don't go anywhere. Be right back. Welcome back to Soccer Morning on World Soccer Talk with Jason Davis. All right, here we go. Closing out a Tuesday edition of the program here on WorldSoccerTalk.com. Make sure you check out WorldSoccerTalk.com. Make sure you check out Soccer Morning on Twitters. My own personal account is DavisJSN. If you want to listen to me babble mostly about soccer, but occasionally I'll throw in some other stuff because I do other stuff. I watched TV and I go to places that have stuff and i see that stuff and then i comment about that stuff that's the way twitter works that's the way and i'm also on instagram if you totally want to see my cool pictures on instagram i always pick the best filter like you have no idea no i no i'm just kidding whatever i'm on instagram as well follow me there davis jsn all right we uh we are as i said we're wrapping up a tuesday edition good stuff there from luke moore i didn't get to bosman that's okay we ran out of time bosman not necessarily top of mind uh, in terms of current events on the field, but top of mind because of the anniversary 20 years ago and the landscape late landscape change it brought in the world of player movement uh, in football. So go contemplate that. And in fact, what you need to do is go follow my friend Leander Schlackens on Twitter at Leander Alphabet and go read his story where he went to Mark Bosman, uh, Jean-Marc Bosman's house and sat down and talked to Bosman for a while and spent a day with him. And it was really weird. And Leander's a great writer. So he uh, expressed the weirdness in a fantastic uh, way that is fun to read. So do that. Okay. That's, that's what you should do today. That's your assignment for today. Uh, if you have Sirius XM, you need to be over at Sirius XM FC Channel 85 in about 55 minutes when we start Soccer Morning. Uh, should be a good one today, uh, lining up guests and the like as usual. All right, am I, am I done? I, I think we're done. I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this one up. Thank you again to uh, Luke Moore from the Football Ramble for his contribution on today's program. Thank you to our callers. We had numerous callers there in that opening segment or that second segment. Uh, keep it up, people. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Bye. To my invitation
just disappear What I put my heart on every cursive letter 